Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Mike Hansen. And I think where we're going to start the conversation today is with the beat goes on, uh, the inflation news. And, and we'll, we'll put Japan and China to a side, which is to say that they seem to be out of sync with a world in which inflation is moving up and recognize that we had fairly broad-based and, and in many cases very large upward surprises to inflation in the month of January. So, Mike, where do we stand on inflation as we're tracking the early part of the year? And, and what what is the signal we think we're getting from that? Well, we're seeing, uh, you know, pretty sizable inflationary pressures um, and obviously sort of well above what central banks are, are comfortable with, even with allowing for there to, you know, some overshoot. Um, so it's, it's an environment which is uh, creating a drag on consumer spending. Uh, and it's certainly putting a lot of pressure on central banks to continue to remove accommodation more rapidly. So we've definitely accelerated uh, a number of our central bank calls over the last uh, several weeks on the back of the, the surprise inflation news, you know, led by the Fed this week, where we now look for them to hike uh, every month from now until basically this time next year. Yeah, we got them moving the next nine meetings, right. uh, 25 basis points. That's a, that's a pretty substantial move that will get them pretty close, just uh, uh, a whisper away from their, uh, their view of where neutral right. is. But before we talk about central banks, and we obviously do want to talk about central banks, let's go back on inflation a second, because I think, you know, one of the interesting things about the inflation news, well, there's two things. One you mentioned is that squeeze, and we're now tracking pretty much the same uh, pace of close to 6% inflation that we had in Q4. That's two quarters in a row of basically the highest inflation we've seen in the last uh, uh, quarter century. So that's pretty significant, especially given that we had, uh, as, as recently as a month ago, forecasted inflation to come down a decent amount uh, in the first quarter. I think the second thing here is the breadth, and it's about the uh, fact that it's no longer just attributable to the things that are being uh, constrained by supply disruptions. It's no longer just high-yield EM and the U.S., which is driving this. It's a fairly broad-based uh, storyline, and I think that does raise some important questions here about where we see inflation going uh, forward from here. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's right. You know, I think you're uh, you know you're clearly seeing again not to to harp on the central bank story, but you're clearly seeing a number of central banks that have previously been fairly dovish get pressured towards potentially moving a bit sooner. We've moved some of our calls on on that regard. You know, there's obviously still uh, a fair bit of risk on the inflation front from what's happening geopolitically that might feed through into energy prices. Um, and I, I think another important factor is we haven't yet seen, I think, the kind of easing in the, some of the supply chain disruptions that we were anticipating might help to contribute to a kind of a quicker unwind of inflation at this point. So as you mentioned, energy, which is part, but by no means all of the um, recent high inflation readings, we should segue here to saying, look, we have more inflation than we had expected. We are moving our central bank calls, no doubt. Um, but we should not lose sight of the fact that growth is also slowing in the first quarter. And a very important part of our forecast is about the slowing being perhaps pretty sharp uh, and, and certainly fairly synchronized, but also being short-lived. And I guess the question is, how are we tracking on the growth side with a particular focus on, on the short-lived side of things? Yeah, I mean, we're, I think we're seeing a number of indicators uh, in the recent data that do point to the kind of light at the end of the tunnel after Omicron. 
Uh, we're already seeing some of the mobility data improve, uh, at least you know, outside of Asia, where I think you know, obviously we're still in the midst of that wave. Um, and we've got a number of reports uh, that came in for uh, particularly January, but you know, some February uh, sentiment data and some December releases that point to some, you know, some improvement in the underlying data flow, right? So you had, for example, very strong retail sales report in the US. Um, you also saw strong reports in a, in a handful of other countries that have data, including the UK and Canada for January. And then the uh, big IP bounce in Europe, led by Germany and led by the auto sector, which is a, an area that had been pretty beaten down and now looks like it's poised for a pretty nice rebound. Yeah, so there's, I think, a, a story here in terms of the growth uh, picture that we know we're getting an Omicron drag. We know it's hitting services pretty hard. But some of the concerns uh, we were having uh, a little while ago with very weak December uh, consumer spending numbers with uh, some disappointment in manufacturing, particularly in the services, that's being alleviated a little bit by the incoming uh, data flow that we're seeing. I, I think we're also comforted a bit by the fact that the mobility numbers in Europe look to be moving up pretty rapidly. And at least thus far, and maybe I knock wood here, uh, the, the, the wave in, in Asia is going to do some damage, but it doesn't look like it's hitting supply chains the way that uh, the Delta wave hit um, and uh, and actually the, the whole set of drags that played out through the first half of last year uh, were lasting. So all of that kind of gives you a little bit better hopes, if not confidence, uh, for this pickup in growth. Uh, we do have a very strong pickup in growth in the second and third quarters of the year. Uh, why, why do we see that? Well, I mean, largely it is this rebound from the, the weakness in the first quarter, right? The underlying, we think the underlying fundamentals are still pretty supportive, right? So, you know, the consumer fundamentals, whether it's the labor market continuing to, to recover uh, and tighten, uh, whether it is uh, inventory rebuilding from firms from very low inventory levels, our CapEx tracker is looking fairly supportive. So, you know, there's a range of things you can point to, even acknowledging that you're obviously in the process of beginning to tighten monetary policy and we've got some fiscal supports coming off. The underlying private sector fundamentals look to be fairly strong, right? Um, and given that, along with a, you know, another reopening dynamic coming out of the slowdown in the last couple months, gives us a pretty boomy, uh, around 5.5%, I think, global growth for the next quarter. Yeah, 55 the next quarter and still over 4 in the third quarter. So if we get that uh, kind of growth... That, I think, is pretty important from the central bank story uh, point of view. So we still believe the Fed is more likely than not to do 25 at the first step. Uh, we still think the ECB, while it opens a door in March uh, for thinking about tightening later this year, is certainly not going to be signaling anything soon. But if we're sitting here as we move through the middle of the year and growth picks up, if we're not worried about uh, oil price shocks, if we're not worried about Omicron uh, drags, um, not only does that, I think, start to give central banks some questions directly as to what they need to do, but it combines with what will likely be labor market tightening, will likely be some additional pressure on inflation. Uh, and I think that potentially is the recipe for an even more significant uh, reassessment by central banks of what they may need to be doing here. We are getting, I think, a, a mix of messages from Fed um, officials now, but it's still to me, leans in the tighter side. Evans certainly was pretty hawkish in terms of what he said uh, today. Uh, but let's let's end on the last note, which is the PMIs next week, because that's probably 
the first important global indicator for February. Um, it's it actually just the DM, but at least it gives you a broad sense of, of conditions. What are we looking for there? Well, we're looking for a nice bounce in the euro area and a pickup in, in the UK as well. And I think that matches the fact that they were the areas that were kind of first in and thus first out when it comes to the Omicron drag. Uh, we're looking for a, a very small uptick in the U.S. Uh, on the manufacturing side. Um, and uh, Japan still looks a bit on the soft side. We've seen some signs of, you know, kind of continued uh, weakness. You saw some weakness on, on exports. You saw some of the survey data for February come in uh, very weak, which seems to be a concern of Omicron as well as, you know, cost pressures. So Japan looks like it's, again, kind of lagging uh, the rest of the DM in that regard. Well, I think it, in that in that context, it would be consistent with the view Asia's uh, on the on the Omicron front right now. Europe's coming out of it first, and and that lift we've got in the PMIs is primarily in the services uh, sector. And the U.S. is also hopefully doing a little better, but far more incrementally. We'll see. I'm sure we're going to be wrong. That's the one thing we can know about our forecast. We we will be surprised by them, but let's see how that goes. Uh, with that, we'll end and hope we can continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.